Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Sharon Prosh. Enjoy. So this morning, as Pastor Jesse alluded, we've got a, a special thing going on this morning. Uh, we've built a couple of what we call Selah Sundays into our, uh, our, our series, teaching series this year. And Selah is a, a word you find uh, most often in the Psalms. It's a word that basically means like pause and reflect, or it means uh, stop and listen. And so we're pausing our, we built a few of these pauses into some of the teaching series. And so we're pausing our current series today to hear from our youth pastor and our youth group. And they're going to be sharing with us the content that they just went through at winter camp and, and also some of the, the fruit of that, the harvest of what, what God did in them through that. But it's an invitation not just to be spectators, but to actually pause and listen for ourselves because the things that impacted them are also there to impact us. So would you welcome Pastor Sharon Prosh, our youth pastor. Good morning. This table is here because the other one is too tall and you won't be able to see me. So, um, so good morning and welcome. I'm, I'm honored to be here this morning and get to um, share a little piece of our journey that we went through three weeks ago. So we're inviting you on a journey of self-reflection. Um, whether you've known God a long time, a short time, or maybe you're simply um, searching for him, um, we were all created for one incredible purpose, and that was um, to, ha- is to have a relationship with our Creator. So uh, the ask is this morning as for you to visit the question, you know, where are you with God? What's working? What's not working? Let's begin. Life is a journey, and we are all travelers. One day, you find yourself on a path in a forest. And at this point in your journey, you are hoping to find a deeper connection with your creator. As you venture forth, the trees grow taller, and it begins to get darker, but beams of sunlight peek through the occasional breaks in the forest canopy. There is a sense of calm and contentment here. You can smell the fragrance of cedar trees, and in the distance, you hear the sound of a rushing stream. In the peacefulness of your surroundings, your thoughts begin to center on the God who created this mighty forest. And you wonder if he even notices you through all these trees. Then, for a moment, you hope he doesn't. Because though everything seems to be at peace here in this forest, you realize that your inner life is in turmoil. As you think about God and his greatness, you feel insignificant. To make matters worse, you begin to recall the things that you have done lately that you know are wrong. In fact, there's a whole string of wrong going all the way back to your earliest memories. Have you done enough good to make up for it? And what about all the things you should have done but didn't because you were too lazy, too uncomfortable, 
or too afraid? Where do you stand with God? Is he happy with your efforts or displeased? For some reason, you can't shake the dreadful sense that he is undoubtedly displeased with you. As you wander along, lost in your anxious thoughts, you come around a curve and see a fork in the path ahead. A signpost comes into view with a sign that reads, Pleasing God, that points to the left, and another sign pointing to the right that reads, Professing God. Both paths look well-traveled. You consider both options, but pleasing God feels right to you. In fact, you were just thinking about how displeased God probably is with you. This must be the answer to your dilemma, because professing God seems like something you might do after you get everything right with him. So, with a renewed sense of purpose, you gather your courage and take the path to pleasing God. You even increase your pace a bit so you can get to work on pleasing him right away. Soon after setting out, you notice three figures in the distance who appear to be expecting you. Curious, you approach and stand before them. Hello and welcome, traveler. We will be your mentors for the subjects of sin, service, and sanctification on the path of pleasing God. Now that you are saved, you need to make sure that you stay that way. If you sin, and you certainly will at first, you need to confess your sin and repent with genuine sorrow so God can forgive you. Every time you sin, it's like you're nailing Jesus to the cross all over again. Your sin separates you from God because he hates sin and his righteousness demands justice. Good day, traveler. After all that God has done for you, don't you think you owe it to him to faithfully serve him? There are so many ways you can show your gratitude to him. Reading the Bible, praying, going to church, tithing, serving, the list goes on. We must remember that faith without deeds is useless and brings our very salvation into question. So what can you do today to please God? Well, you better get to work. Greetings, traveler. The Bible tells us that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Sanctification is all about saying no to sinning and yes to serving. So that when we stand before God on the day of judgment, we might be considered to enter into heaven instead of being cast into the fire of, into the lake of fire of the devil and his angels. Now best be on your way. You've clearly got a long way to go. After listening to the unsettling, though undoubtedly true counsel of these three mentors, you continue on your journey, and very soon you come to a glade, at the center of which is a chapel. There is a sign on the front of the chapel that says, the room of guilt is entered through the door of trying. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Below the sign, you see a door and a solemn individual standing next to it who is beckoning to you. This dream journey thing was odd enough already without a strange building in the middle of the forest, but you might as well see it through, so you square your shoulders and walk up to the greeter. <sighs> 
Welcome, traveler, to the room of guilt, which is entered through the door of trying. The Bible says that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. No doubt that fear has brought you here. Now we can add shame and guilt to keep you in line. Our community will hold you accountable on your journey to please God. If you mess up in sin, we will help you by pointing it out to you and let guilt do its work. Just be careful not to sin too much, or we will have to discipline you accordingly. We will also give you plenty of things to do so that you will know that you are serving him well enough. In the room of guilt, we are continually trying to do all that we know that God wants us to do. Be sure to sign our membership book so that we can track your attendance and tithing. That's how we keep our religious organization growing, and you too, of course. Uh, traveler, if you're ready to please God and earn his favor, then just step through the door of trying into the room of guilt and let fear and guilt motivate you towards righteousness. Enter the room of guilt, and the people there are so helpful as they show you how you are falling short. Are you going to church every Sunday? Have you read through the whole Bible? Are you witnessing to your friends? If people looked at your social media, would they know you are a Christian? Everything seems so clear at first because you knew that you were a mess and Everyone is so willing to tell you what to do next, but it's soon evident that there's a lot of hypocrisy and hiding going on here, and everyone else is just as afraid as you are. Instead of trying to please God, it really seems to be about keeping him pleased or earning his favor so you can avoid his wrath. If there's a sin you struggle with, it's best to cover it up and work on it in secret. No one says this, but it's pretty clear that's what's going on. After a while, the pressure in the room of guilt becomes unbearable. As soon as you fix one thing about yourself, two more things are pointed out that you need to start working on. You feel like a hamster in a wheel, always running, but never arriving. Before you know it, you fail again at something you thought you'd fixed. After a while, the shame becomes so great that you start wearing a mask to hide what you've done. And why not? Everyone else is wearing one. You just can't shake the sense that God is disappointed in you and you are never going to measure up. Finally, the judgment, shame, hiding, and loneliness become too much for you. And when no one is looking, you slip quietly out of the room. Drop your mask at the door and head back the way you came. After a while, you see the signpost ahead and realize that you are back at the fork in the path. 
You have forgotten all about it. You take a seat on the bench near the signpost to reflect for a while on what you experienced in the room of guilt. After spending some time in reflection about what you experienced, you look up and notice the other sign that says, professing God. I wonder what that really means, you think to yourself. It looks like a lot of people have been down this path as well, and you realize that you are still looking for answers about how to live the Christian life. Perhaps the other path was a necessary lesson about works righteousness, and clearly this is the right one. In a moment of inspiration followed by a growing excitement, you quickly stand to your feet and head down the path of professing God. After a short time, you see three figures standing alongside the path as if they were expecting you. You are immediately struck with the feeling of bujade, the feeling that something is going to happen again. So with a sense of anticipation, you approach them. Hello and welcome, traveler. We will be your mentors for the subjects of sin, service, and sanctification on the path of professing God. Now that you have professed your belief in God, you really don't have to worry about sin anymore. Sure, you'll probably still sin, but you are under grace now and not law, so sin has no power over you. A lot of things that used to be sin are okay now under the new covenant. Besides, everything was forgiven on the cross. Your profession of faith is like an eternal fire insurance policy. Isn't that fantastic? Good day, traveler. You know, service is a really nice way to show God that you are thankful for everything has, he has done for you. And besides, helping other people out makes you feel good when you do it. Am I right? But it's really optional since you are already saved. Besides, if you go overboard with the serving thing, then you end up in that judgmental work salvation mess. So, if you do want to serve, just be sure you're doing it for the right reason which is to receive an extra blessing from God, of course. <laughs> Greetings, traveler. Now that you have an assurance of salvation, the sanctification process is really about making sure you believe all the right things so you can obtain more and more of what God has offered you. That's the life of abundance that Jesus talks about. As your faith grows, you grow, and as you grow, God's blessings flow. That's what I always say. What are you waiting for, traveler? You better get going or you miss the party. After listening to the very inspiring and freeing counsel of these three mentors, you continue on your journey, and very soon you come to another glade, at the center of which is a familiar-looking chapel. There is a sign on the front of it that says, The Room of Gratification is entered through the door of taking. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Below the sign, you see a door and an overly excited individual next to it who is jumping up and down and waving you over. Though similar to your experience on the path of pleasing God, in some ways, everything here is so much more liberating. So you eagerly respond to the greeter's enthusiastic summons and approach them. Welcome, traveler, to the room of gratification, which is entered through the door of taking. The Bible says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
and I bet you came here hoping to be liberated. So we're having a party to celebrate God's amazing grace and all of his wonderful gifts. Life is about partaking in God's goodness and experiencing freedom. Our community will help make sure that you believe all of the right things and increase your faith so that God can pour even more blessings into your life. Ultimately, God just wants you to experience freedom and just be happy. If you give us your time, talent, and treasure, then we can invite others to the party and totally like jumbo-size this thing. God loves a cheerful giver, and you can't outgive God. He's going to give back to you tenfold. Our goal is to make the Christian life as attractive and inclusive as possible for everyone, so everybody will want to join the party. If you want to grow your faith, you experience spiritual gifts, and increase prosperity and good health. Then everyone will want what you've got and really listen to you. Traveler, if you're ready to profess God and have all that you are entitled to, just step through the door of taking into the room of gratification and let the party begin. After your awful experience in the room of guilt, you enter the room of gratification with a sense of hopefulness. This room feels so liberating, and it's such a relief to be free of all that guilt and shame. You certainly deserve a bit of happiness after all of that. However, after a while, the excitement fades, and you realize that something here is just not right. Living in a posture of just receiving God's forgiveness and blessings while waiting to go to heaven leaves you with a gnawing emptiness and a hunger for something more that just won't go away. You double down on all the things that are supposed to result in God's blessings, but you are left with the realization that the party hat is just another form of mask wearing. Pretending to be happy and healthy all the time is exhausting. And living a lifestyle that convinces others that God is blessing you has only put you in debt. You even try to exercise the spiritual gifts for a while, but in your experience, they appear to be 90% wishful thinking and 10% maybe. In your desire to get away from the bondage of legalism, you gave in to your desires and told others it was okay too. But now... Your life is an unrighteous train wreck. Then you find yourself in bondage to sin along with everyone else. You look around and you see that though this room was so inviting and inclusive, no one has really changed. Everyone, including you, seems to be struggling with the same issues they came in with, as well as the consequences of those choices. It might be more fun in here than the room of guilt, but this place is just as powerless to affect any real change in your heart. So once again, you find yourself slipping out when no one is looking, dropping your party hat off at the door, and heading back the way you came.
soon, you arrive once again at the fork in the path. You are so weary from your journey that you throw yourself down on the bench and take a moment to rest. You are glad to be alone in the forest after the time you spent in those awful rooms. As you sit, you find yourself calling out to God in despair. Isn't there more to life than this? You ask between tears and sobs that won't stop racking your body. No answer from heaven is immediately forthcoming, and when the grieving subsides for a moment, your exhaustion overtakes you. So you lie down and drift off to sleep while thinking there must be a better way. You awaken from your nap, feeling somewhat refreshed, though still very heavy of heart. As you open your eyes, you notice a curious-looking piece of wood under the bench. Further inspection reveals that it is another sign that has apparently fallen off the signpost. You pick it up and wipe the dirt and moss off it. The nails look bent as though someone had forcefully removed it. You wonder why as you turn it over and read the words on the other side. The ancient pathway, pursuing God. The arrow on this sign points straight. Looking over your shoulder behind you, you see a narrow pathway leading into the woods behind the sign. It doesn't look like many have been that way. Hmm, pursuing God. You try for a moment to figure out exactly what it means. Well, at this point, it certainly sounds better than pleasing or professing. You're a bit hesitant to try yet another path, but you did say a prayer to God, and something deep inside you stirs. It occurs to you that this might be his response. In fact, it's almost as if you heard a voice behind you say, this is the way, walk in it. Well, I might as well try it out, you decide. So you stand up, place the sign back on the signpost as best you can, and begin walking down the path. A bit more cautiously this time, once again you see three figures in the distance waiting for you, and you approach and stand before them. Hello, and welcome, traveler. We will be your mentors for the subjects of sin, service, and sanctification on the path of pursuing God. We need to talk about the issue of sin because it is a very real problem and it costs us dearly. Part of the problem is that we misunderstand it. You see, sin is really what happens when a person doesn't trust in God's goodness and his desire for our well-being. We then try to do things our way instead of his way and grow and that only leads to pain and suffering. God's desire is that we would trust in him and grow in our relationship with him. As we do so, sin will then have less and less power in our life. Good day, traveler. Isn't it astounding that in the final hours before his death, Jesus would choose to wash his disciples' feet and give an object lesson about serving? We know that we can never earn our salvation through works, nor should we expect to be rewarded. True service before God is the natural byproduct of a heart that has been transformed into his image. If we are truly his apprentices and are becoming like him, then his love will naturally flow out of us in the form of service to others because God is love. 
And after loving him, his greatest desire is that we would love one another. Greetings, traveler. We try to make sanctification complicated by turning it into something that can be earned through our own effort. Or perhaps even worse, we try to make it something that can be obtained without any effort at all. These are the unhealthy extremes represented by the ever past ye have visited. Sanctification happens when we choose to combine our effort with God's grace to transform our heart to be like his. A true disciple is someone who is engaged with God in that process. Farewell for now, traveler. Everything you've been searching for is just ahead. After listening to the comforting and authentic sounding counsel of these three mentors, you continue on your journey. And very soon you come to a familiar glade with a familiar chapel. The sign on the front of this one says, the room of grace is entered through the door of trusting. Now this is eternal life, that they know you. Below the sign, you see a calm yet joyful-looking individual standing next to the door. They are simply smiling and waiting for you. Well, if this place doesn't have the answers, then I'm changing my name from traveler to homebody, you mumble. But strangely, you sense that this is what you have been looking for all along. Welcome, traveler, to the room of grace, which is entered through the door of trusting. The Bible teaches us that eternal life is found through knowing God and his son and being in relationship with both of them. We are so glad that you're here, and we'd love for you to be a part of our community as we journey towards Christ-likeness together. We have taken off our masks here and hope that you will do the same. In the room of grace, we are not trying to get into heaven. Instead, we seek to get heaven into us. This is accomplished by pursuing our relationship with God and cooperating with him in our own growth and transformation. It's not about waiting to die so that we can experience eternal life because it's available to us right here, right now. In the room of grace, we serve each other and the rest of the world as apprentices of Jesus and we are gradually transformed into his image together. And in so doing, we experience true joy, freedom, and celebration. Though life will still have its painful trials, we are never alone, and we can trust that God will use everything for our good if we seek him and trust in him. Traveler, if you are ready to pursue a relationship with God and become a fully engaged disciple, just step through the door of trusting into the room of grace and let the transformation begin. the room of grace with a little trepidation after your experiences in the other rooms. However, you receive a warm welcome into a community of people 
who seem comfortable in their faith journey and who appear to care very deeply for you and your journey. After living in the room of grace for a while, you realize that you no longer need to wear a mask. Though the journey is still hard, there is a pervasive sense of peace and joy here. This is home. This is where you belong. As you grow in your relationship with God and these people, you realize that the things you used to do out of forced obedience, you now find yourself wanting to do. You recognize that you have truly experienced God's grace for the first time, and you are grateful. Out of that gratitude flows a natural desire to serve him and others. Likewise, your perspective regarding God's laws has changed also. Instead of seeing them as unreasonable demands on God's part, you understand that all of them are designed to protect you, your relationship with him, and your relationships with others. And now, though you don't always get it right, you find yourself trusting that God only wants what is best for you, and that makes it so much easier to follow his ways. Your longing for God brought you on this journey, and it enabled you to face its trials. Now your deepest desire is to become like him. You regularly study his word, spend time with him in prayer, and delight that he has called you friend. You now understand why eternal life is defined as knowing him. You can't imagine ever returning to the other rooms. In fact, it becomes your life mission to see others set free by trusting God, pursuing him, and living in the room of grace. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Can we give him one more hand? Thank you. Well done. Well done, guys. That last scene, I don't know about you, but it it made me uh, tear up every time. It's just, um, yeah, praise the Lord. It's good. So um, I'm just gonna open us in prayer and then I'm gonna attempt to wrap all that up. Um, Really, that was a message in and of itself. But um, let's invite the Lord. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that you relentlessly pursue us. Relentlessly. I'm so grateful, God. This morning, I pray as we just self-reflect, Lord, that that you would just stir in our hearts. You'd move us to... um, just taking action and voting with our feet, Lord, and in those areas in our lives where we are shorting you, just shorting you a real um, relationship and ownership in our life. So we give you this time. It's yours, Father, in your name. Amen. Okay, so um, we're just gonna walk through those paths real quick, and then we have, um, I have a treat for you at the end. So, um, so the path of pleasing God uh, represents an ideology of legalism uh, through following God's laws, motivated by a fear of God and his judgment. Travelers on this path are trying to somehow earn their salvation 
Um, Epic Camp, I got to share a little bit of my story. Um, I grew up as a pastor's daughter, and so I've had my own journey with the Lord. At age eight, um, I asked Jesus into my heart on a Sunday morning at my grandpa's church. He was a, a pastor as well, and that night I was baptized at the evening service. Back then we had three services, a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and a Wednesday night. Throughout all of my high school years, um, this feeling, though, of not measuring up um, to the requirements needed to be a good Christian, or better said, a good pastor's daughter, always, always hung over me. Um, this was fun sharing at camp because I would say a good chunk of our youth that went to camp this year understand what being a pastor's kid um, is. They write books for us, you know that? It's not an easy role. By age 17, I had been baptized three more times. <laughs> the difficult task for me was reading the Bible. It was a task. Uh, reading did not come easy for me. It still doesn't to this day. I am so grateful for version, and now you can just push play and listen to it. I listen to books on um, tape all the time or on audio. I love that. I'm so grateful for it. I remember one year at camp, though, getting mad at God for not giving me the desire to read. Um, I blamed him for, for it, it being so hard, especially having to read it every day. Every day, are you kidding me? Every single day? That stressed me out. I didn't even realize then, but um, at a very early age, um, I seriously was trotting down this path of pleasing God to earn his favor, to make him happy. Um, I was very fearful of not going to heaven when I died, and in the long run, I ended up wearing a mask, um, especially when it came to looking spiritual. Um, I would highlight um, things in my Bible and kind of open it up so everybody could see the highlighted parts to make it look like I was reading it because I was a good pastor's kid. So a traveler on this path might see God as an angry tyrant who is sitting up in heaven like a judge on his bench with this giant hammer in his hand. My husband gives the example. He's just waiting uh, for us to mess up so he can smite us, you know, like that game of whack-a-mole, you know. Ha, you're wrong. Hey, you're, you did that. You did that. Oh, but if that's our view of God, would we truly want to obey him? You know, do we want to serve him? Do we really want to be in heaven with him for eternity? If we're always trying to please God, what happens when we miss the mark? So the key point is pleasing God is healthy if we're motivated by love for him. Unhealthy if we are motivated by fear of losing our salvation or a desire to earn our salvation. I'll say that again. Pleasing God is healthy if we are motivated by love for him, but unhealthy if we're motivated by fear of losing our salvation or have a desire to earn our salvation. Colossians 1, 9 through 10. I don't know if you put that up. Paul says to his fellow believers, we heard about you and we have not stopped praying for you. We can continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing, good, or bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So grateful that it's through the Holy Spirit 
that we're given knowledge, wisdom, and understanding on how to live a life that pleases him. We don't have to figure that out. He, the Holy Spirit, gives us that. Easier said, what pleases God most is when we desire to know him. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you want to know him? When we know him, we are motivated by love to learn that which pleases him. So at winter camp, uh, we gave our youth an opportunity to respond to what was stirring in their hearts um, about pleasing God, this pleasing God path. And we had them write it down on a three by five card and then placed it in a bin in the front of the room. Um, so these youth were amazing. They voted with their feet. Um, and I got their consent and permission to read some of their responses, okay? So here's four of the responses of that first pleasing God path. I've been on the road of pleasing God. I have never felt enough for anyone, including God. I have recently been drowning in stress, anxiety, and depression, and I haven't been going to God about any of it. I can't seem to stay faithful at all, ever. So I really don't know if I'm saved or if I'm, I've just spent my whole life pleasing God. The Bible says that you just need to know God, but that's all. But I can't seem to grasp how to know God, and I want to know him. So glad we're getting ready to do this book. I have been on this road for the past year. Every sin I do, I worry that God is going to hate me and ruin my life. I actually try to please God to avoid getting punished. I used to think that God's standard was so high that I didn't even believe I could begin to meet it. So I tried, but not too hard. Now I will seek God. All I know is that I was one way and now I'm another. And the thing that happened in between was him. It's great. I feel that it has become less about pleasing God and more about keeping him happy and keeping other people happy. God has freed me from that. I feel new again. God loves me. Thanks, guys, for being honest. It's amazing. So next, let's just look at the path of professing God. The path of professing God represents an ideology of liberalism that is motivated by a heart attitude, mainly interested in God for what he has to offer. What, is, what am I gonna get out of this? It could be that we just profess God to believe in God so that we can feel this assurance that we will go to the good place when we die. Uh, it could be that we abuse God's grace and mercy by continuing to sin and not seek change. Here's the thing about the sin thing. If our, if our relationship with God is not anchored in truthfulness, then our hearts will not truly change. As a result, we end up in bondage or enslaved to our sin. There's this old saying about sin that's insightful. Sin will take you farther than you plan to go, keep you longer than you intended to stay, and cost you far more than you imagined you'd pay. Or... It could be that we believe that if we just profess God and acknowledge him and tell others about him, then surely he won't allow anything bad to happen to us. I have a story about myself. I was just 19 years old, working my last night at a chicken restaurant when I found myself being held hostage at gunpoint. It was one of the most terrifying moments in my life. 
Unfortunately, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but I can tell you this. My big question was, why would you allow this to happen to me? I'm a pastor's daughter, right? I had some entitlement issues. I was a good girl. I didn't party. I didn't cuss, at least not out loud. I even waited till marriage to, you know, do it. So why, why did God allow this to happen to me? For years, I did this. I lived my life believing that I must love God more than he loves me. After all, even though he allowed that to happen to me, I still followed him, I still believed in him, I still served him and told people about Jesus. I created this saying in my life, my favorite, my, my, my favorite saying about God at that time, and it was for years, unfortunately. My fear of the Lord is what is he going to allow to happen? What is he gonna allow to happen in my life? And while I had a relationship with my heavenly father, I had some huge misunderstandings of his love regarding free will. Just because I professed him didn't mean I wouldn't fall victim to other people's choices. I love what it says in Romans 10.10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There's something about the heart Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. Professing him or not is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can, can boast. So the key point uh, is this. Uh, professing God is healthy if we receive his grace from a heart of gratitude. Heart of gratitude, but unhealthy if we use it to leverage it for our own personal gain. Here's four things that the teens shared um, as they professed some things on some cards up at camp. I have been walking on the path of professing God and I've not dealt with the sin in my life which has made me ashamed. I have used God as a one-way service. He gives to me and I give nothing back. I have been professing God and asking for things and for help more than being thankful for what I've got. See why I love youth ministry? I love teenagers, they're so honest. I have only wanted to spend time with God to make me feel better instead of because I desire to know him and grow closer to him. So the extremes of these paths can be damaging um, to us and our faith. Um, likely many of you in this room have been hurt by others on these paths and perhaps has even caused hurt. I know I have, I've been so convicted about some of the things that I've said or done. In short, these paths represent dead ends. However, <laughs> thank you, Lord, our good and loving God has provided a way. So let's take a look at the path of pursuing God. Remember when Traveler woke up and found the missing sign under her bench, okay? When she brushed it off, it said the ancient path pursuing God. There's a really great uh, Bible verse in Jeremiah that inspired this whole journey uh, drama. Um, and it's Jeremiah 6, 16. It says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. 
Proverbs 4, 26 through 27 says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn right or left. Keep your foot from evil. So God himself, as well as many host of Bible writers, use these paths as a, a metaphor um, in our life journey. They encourage us to avoid the wide and well-traveled path and seek the lonelier, uh, straight and narrow path instead. <laughs> A popular verse here says uh, Matthew 7, 13 through 14, and I'm gonna actually show it in three different forms. I just love these. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I love it in the message. Don't look for shortcuts (laughs) to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for success or for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life is to is God, is to God is victorious. Sorry, the way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. And for those of you that like the Passion Translation, enter through the narrow gate because the wide gate and the broad path is the, is the way that leads to destruction. Nearly everyone chooses that crowded road, the narrow gate and the difficult way, ouch, it is difficult, leads to eternal life. So few find it. So bottom line, God promises to guide us on the right path if we seek him. So the path of pursuing God represents an, an, an ideology of life that is only found through knowing God. Travelers on this path are motivated by a desire for friendship with their heavenly father and they seek to grow in relationship with him through trust. Another quick story for me, from me, <laughs> about me. Some of you know that last year I was diagnosed with uterine cancer. And uh, it was a shock to say the least. Um, And thankful beyond words after a full hysterectomy, I'm cancer free. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But during a six week period of not knowing what stage cancer I was in, um, the not knowing, the not knowing if, I found myself on all three of these paths. The path I lived on the most of my life was pleasing God. However, during this six week period, it was the professing God path. I strolled right down it again. Um, I lived on that path for so long, it was just easy to fall back into. Why, God, why me? Why me? I'm a youth pastor, I have lots to do. (laughs) But while standing on an Oregon coast bench, while looking at a very large sea lion, that's a whole other story, sunbathing on the sand, I found myself needing God more than ever. And I recognized the path that I was on and I gasped with an instant desire to turn back and pursue him. I needed him. And that wonderful verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I just anchored into that once again. I'm so grateful that I get to pursue God. So um, just share a cu- a, just a couple more of those cards. So when we did this up at camp, we invited the youth to write down um, the ways that they wanted to, to move a position and pursue God. And here's some of the cards. I wanted to pursue you, I want to pursue you, God, by trying to let go and fully trust you and bring you into my life. Please come. I want to pursue you by choosing to learn who you are 
and become a true believer of you because I love you unconditionally. God, I wanna pursue you by opening my heart without fearing judgment. Amen. I'm going to pursue you, God. Take that step and be yours tonight. (laughs) And another one, I wanna pursue you, God, by praying more often and more genuine and going to you for my doubts and worries. I wanna redevote my life to you. I love you, Lord, with all my heart. So I have one more, (laughs) and I invited a teen to come on up. Come on up, Kelsey, to share what God did in her heart that night. So here's our live representation. Here's Kelsey. All right, hi, um, I'm Kelsey. (laughs) And uh, so before camp, I was feeling like really convicted of stress and anxiety. And then at camp, I realized why, and it was because I had been on the path of pleasing God for so long. And then at camp, I got prayed for, and in that moment, I had felt God like I never had before. And um, so I wrote a poem about it. (laughs) Um. All right, it's called Forever Sing. So I was lost and paying the cost of sin and letting Satan win. I wanted to be free, not always feeling the need to flee. I've never felt good enough and felt like I had it so rough. Then I got prayed for and felt God so much more. That moment, Jesus changed me. He set me free. I talked to others who are as close as brothers. They said, trust God as much as you can. So I made a plan. I'm going to run into his arms and ignore all the alarms. You'll never measure up, and you're as worthless as a plastic cup. But I don't need to measure up to the king, because now with him, I will forever sing. Thank you. Isn't that sweet? (laughs) So here's just some brief pictures on how these paths are found in a church community. We're going to a close here. So a legalistic church says, you are welcome here when you clean up your life. A liberal church says you are welcome here and you do not have to clean up your life. A life-oriented church says you are welcome here and invited to join us in pursuing Jesus. He will change your life from the inside out. One last statement. Uh, Robert Mahalan in the book, Invitation to a Journey, wrote some great heartfelt thoughts about this. When spirituality is viewed as a journey, the way to spiritual wholeness is seen to lie in an increasingly faithful response to the one whose purpose shapes our path, whose grace redeems our detours, whose power liberates us from crippling bondages of the prior prior journey, and whose transforming presence meets us at each turn in the road. Amen. So what I'd like to do next, uh, the worship team's gonna come on up, um, is invite you um, to vote with your feet as well, kind of like what the youth did. So you were given three by five cards as you came in. And what we're gonna do is we're just gonna um, invite you to write on them and uh, maybe something that stirred in your heart regarding pursuing God, pleasing God, or professing God. Let's do it like this. 
There's something about when we actually vote with our feet is what I call it, or take an action back by a choice. And we say, hey, this is something I wanna take serious, Lord. So it's not to bring condemnation at all, but if there's things you've been doing that haven't been working, pleasing God, write those on your, your card. You can tear them and you can put one in each bucket or just one in one bucket. And then we're gonna invite you just to come forward and worship with us. If you want prayer, you can stay up here. Um, some of the youth would love to maybe pray over you. Um, and we're just gonna end our next like 10 minutes with just worshiping and letting you respond however however you can okay amen i'm very grateful for our youth ministry um, you know as we move into the coming weeks and we move into the just the church calendar of uh, going through Palm Sunday and Stations of the Cross and Resurrection Sunday on Easter. Um, what, a, what a perfect opportunity to, to put into action these very things and say, God, we want to pursue you uh, as a church together, as a spiritual family on mission. This is our calling is to pursue you and allow you to do all the things you want to do both in us and through us. And so, I, again, I'm so grateful, even as Sharon said, um, that we have this book series coming up where we're together going to really pay attention to how do we learn to increasingly recognize God's voice and God's leading. How do we pay attention to Him, not from a place of, of guilt and shame and not from a place of, of just professing and hoping for someday, but, but to truly say, God, I want to pursue you now. May your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And so I'm um, so grateful. They've just, even though this was sort of a pause in the middle of our series, it just perfectly sets us up to, uh, to walk through this together. So, you know, as we leave today, a couple things. Uh, first of all, we have some words for prayer that our prayer team sensed. Uh, go ahead and put those up and we'll just read through those. These are things that our prayer team sensed specifically as they gathered this morning before we filled up the room this morning. They gathered and said, God, what do you want to do today? Here's some things they sensed. Uh, a couple words, they're, they're all lies, counterfeit shame. That may be something that, that resonates with you that you were experiencing, that's, that's, that's you. Uh, you thought it was an unanswered prayer. Also arthritis in the right hand, uh, fluid in and around the heart, a couple of physical conditions, a couple more uh, emotional, spiritual, a couple, I think we have more. Uh, opening ears, uh, the question, why do you weep? to speak to somebody this morning and light the fire again. God, would you ignite the fire? Uh, if you have a need for prayer this morning, uh, and maybe one of those words, that one of those touches you and you say, yeah, that's, that's for me. Uh, I just want to invite you to respond to that in some way. Uh, we have a ministry team that's going to be up available this morning just up front to pray with you. Uh, or you can just come and pray yourself. You can pray right where you are. Um, but if you'd like prayer this morning, if you'd like somebody to partner with you in that way, invite you to come up and our youth will be available here as well. Um, there's something powerful about a generation praying for one another. And so they're going to be here to serve us in that way, in the same way they've served us today. So um, that said, we're just going to close with a prayer. And remember that we have uh, uh, if gathering signups this morning or, or information out at one counter. We also have more information about the, the Hearing God books, uh, book study and the groups that are going to be gathering for that. So you can uh, go out to Heritage Hall if you're here on campus and you can find out more about that. But I'm just going to close us in prayer and pray that God would um, 
help each of us to, uh, to follow this path of, of pursuing Him and experiencing the fullness of life that He has for us. So Heavenly Father, thank you for this, uh, this depiction of the path that you invite us to. And of some of the ways that we can get off on, on to the side in ways that look like you, but, but don't lead to the abundant life that you promise, to the fullness of life that you promise. Jesus, thank you for exposing, even this morning, counterfeit ways that we've uh, settled for something less than the fullness. And would you help us today to know what it looks like to act on that, to know what it looks like to pursue you and to find that in that, as we uh, yield ourselves to you and as you inhabit our lives, that it becomes our joy to do your, to do your will, to walk in the good things you have for us. And so would you, would you just speak joy over this, over this spiritual family today? Would you speak an invitation to our hearts? Would you fill and inhabit uh, not only this, this moment, but the coming series as we open our lives to learn to better recognize your voice, your way, your will? Would you come and have your way? Amen. We're just going to do kind of a soft close today. If you, the worship team is just going to continue to play for a moment. If you'd like prayer, you can come up and do that, or you can stay right where you are. We also have these buckets where you can come and vote with your feet and place something there. Apart from that, go and make the invisible God visible. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.